Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Man, it's been so great to see everybody, all the smiling faces, and it's just, uh, it's great to be in the Lord's house, even if it's in the parking lot. And so with that said, uh, let's pray, and we'll go ahead and begin. God, thank you so much for this worship service today, for this morning. Lord, for those that have come to worship in their cars, for those that are working behind the scenes in the parking lot, and for security and all the others that are just just here to support, Lord. We thank you so much. We cannot thank you enough for being with us during these days. We pray for those in our community that may be listening, either by way of Facebook Live, or they may be watching a rebroadcast of this, or maybe even it's just somebody with an earshot of these speakers. Lord, may you be glorified, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we're going to be looking at the follow-up to the resurrection. This is a few things that Jesus did before he ascended to heaven for his final time, before he will come again and, and return, as the book of Revelation says. But before we do that, if you want to follow along, if you have the Version Bible app, you can pull up our sermon on the events tab. If you don't know how to do that, you can just go to homelandparkbc.org. That's our website, homelandparkbc.org, and you can just click on that first story there, and it'll give you a link to the Bible outline and also the music that we've been playing this morning. So, with that said, we're going to be in the Gospel of John today, and we're talking about the fact that Jesus handles our doubt and denial. How does Jesus handle our doubt and denial? You see, Jesus returned to this world after his resurrection to prepare his followers to start his church. This required giving them the confidence to do so. So this morning we take note of the special care that Jesus took to fix his disciples that were broken before returning to his throne. And my friend, there is something very sweet about this to know that Jesus himself knew that the disciples were not ready to do what they were called to do, so he made sure that they were ready before he left for heaven. So the thing is, I love this Sunday in the preaching schedule. I love that it's the most important Sunday of the year for me, I believe, because today worship follows the first steps of Christ's church being established. You see, too many times we celebrate the cross and we rejoice in the resurrection and then we just coast until Christmas time. Folks, do not be lulled to sleep by thinking that there is nothing important to celebrate today. Today we celebrate the work of Jesus Christ as he carried it out among his believers. Like you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been given that. Because of his ascension, he left the Holy Spirit to empower us. It says in John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So with this in mind, folks, it's more important than ever that Jesus returned 
to earth to tie up two very important relationships of which we're going to look at today. And the two relationships that we're talking about are those of between him and Thomas and him and Peter. Because you see, Thomas and Peter both represent something. Thomas represents doubt and Peter represents denial. Thomas represents doubt and Peter represents denial. You see, doubt and denial are two of the most common barriers that can stress a relationship. And sometimes it can even sever it. Both of them stem from trust, either a lack of it or the fact that trust is outright broken. And once trust is broken, you can only put it back together piece by piece. But folks, there is hope for you today. Amen. There is hope for you today if your relationship with God is suffering from doubt or denial. Because Jesus comes to you today, whether it be in your car or through the internet or just by the hearing of this word. Jesus comes to you today to restore your relationship with him. If you're ready, let's jump in. The first thing that we see is that Jesus loves you enough to address your doubts. Jesus loves you enough to address your doubts. Even the strongest Christian can struggle with doubt. You know that, right? Just because we are a Christian, we claim to know Christ, the, the devil still works on us. And doubt can be a real thing, and there are some Christians that really struggle with that. I don't know why people think that true Christians should not have doubts because of their faith. That's just not biblical. Why is that? There are plenty of Bible history, plenty of biblical heroes that struggled with doubt. Though they didn't give in to it, they still struggled with it nonetheless. Here's some of the key ones that just came to my mind. Number one, Moses didn't think he could speak to Pharaoh about freeing God's people. He thought that with his speech impediment that he would just mess it up. Jonah didn't think he could go preach to the people of Nineveh. He ended up in a large fish for three days. Gideon asked God to prove his will to him several times through the testing of a lamb's fleece. Jesus himself pleaded with his father in the garden to make sure that he was in, to endure the horrific torture of the cross. He was so torn up about it. He was so stressed about it that he literally sweat drops of blood. And Thomas, Thomas was the disciple known as what? Doubting Thomas, right? Well, Doubting Thomas, the disciple known as Doubting Thomas, had trouble believing that Jesus was really standing before him. He had trouble believing that he was actually the Messiah. So check this out, folks. Having doubts can be a good thing. Having doubts can be a good thing because it keeps us honest. And it keeps us real. And it keeps us dependent upon God for reassurance. We must go to him with our doubts. There was a dad one day that was talking to his son, and the dad said, Remember, son, a smart person is always someone who has doubts about something. Only an idiot is 100% sure about everything. 
The son said, well, Dad, are you sure? And he said, absolutely. So even even the father was saying that 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 was absolute. He was 100% right. But the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we do have doubts. But the thing is, doubts are good things when they move us to seek answers, not to justify our sinful thinking. You see, Thomas was known for doubting, but remember, he was still a committed disciple. In John 11, we see Jesus' dear friend Lazarus was sick. His sisters Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come see him. And so the disciples had started making waves among those who did not agree with his message. And there were even attempts to stone Jesus. And so the disciples were right with them. So Jesus told the disciples that they would go help Lazarus. And some of them were afraid. But check out what Thomas said in John eleven sixteen. In John eleven sixteen, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, When Jesus said, let's go. Thomas said, let's go too and die with Jesus. So even in that moment, there might have been a little bit of, of, of sarcasm. There might have been a little bit of snark in that. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that when Jesus needed Thomas to go stand with him, Thomas went. Thomas may have had doubt, but we don't need to categorize Thomas by his doubt. We need to categorize Thomas by his faith. Here we see Thomas bravely going And he was the one that was saying what everybody else in that group was thinking. The disciples knew the dangers of going to Jerusalem with Jesus, and they tried to talk him out of it. But Thomas and the disciples displayed their courage, their devotion, their faith, and their love for Jesus by following him to see Lazarus. Now, you and I may not always understand what Jesus is doing. I don't always understand what Jesus is doing in my life. I do not understand why I never would have thought a year ago that somebody would have said, well, you know what, James, you're going to be preaching to your people in their cars in the back parking lot. It doesn't make sense. But that's the thing. God does not make sense, does he? We don't always understand him. We just have to trust him. And we would be wise to remember that following Jesus will cost us too. Just like Thomas and the disciples were finding out. If you follow Jesus, it may change your relationships. You might have to let go of relationships that are toxic in your life. You will have to let go of addictions. You will have to let go of hurtful lifestyles and harmful thoughts and selfish desires. But the thing is, is that when each one is taken away, God will always reward us. God will always reward us with something else. And so the thing is, is that remember Thomas's faith as we now look at his infamous moment of doubt. In verses 24 through 29 of John 20. It says, Jesus loves you enough to restore you from your doubts. If you have ever doubted, if you have doubt today, if you have doubt in the future, Jesus' plan is to restore you. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? Jesus is in the business of restoring people. You see, it says in verse 24 of John 20, one of the twelve disciples nicknamed the twin, his name was Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. So you have the twelve disciples, and the scripture says he was not with them when Jesus came. So they told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless the nail wounds in his hands 
put my fingers into them and placed my hand into the wound in his side. And notice what it says in verse 26. Eight days later. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. So he just appeared, folks. And he says, peace be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a room with my friends, scared for my life, and all of a sudden, Jesus just appears and says, hey, peace. That's going to be an act of God. That, That would be something that would would probably scare me and probably intimidate me, and maybe you too. But the thing is, as it notice it says that the doors are locked, but suddenly Jesus as before, Jesus was standing there. He said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, notice what Thomas, he says to Thomas. This is eight days later. He says to, to Thomas, put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. What do we know from that? We know that Jesus heard Thomas's doubts. And Jesus addressed Thomas's doubts. And then verse 28, Thomas replies, My Lord, my God. His doubt was erased. By him saying, my Lord and my God, he had no doubt at all who Jesus was and what he had accomplished. It says in verse 29, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So what can we get from this passage? The first thing is doubt can bring isolation. If you notice the the scripture said that Thomas was not with the other disciples. He was separated from them. We don't know exactly why he was not with them. But we do know that it was important enough for the Bible to mention the fact that he was not with them. So you see that Thomas had isolated himself. And there are people that have isolated themselves from other believers. There are people that may even be watching this video or may even be hearing this with their ears that have separated themselves with people of faith. They have said they will never go step into the doors of a church again because maybe of something that was done to them or maybe because of a sin that they don't want to let go of or maybe it's just because they doubt that God will work in their life. Do not let doubts isolate you. Do not crawl within yourself, within your own home, and just shut out the world. Don't let the doubts win, because Jesus made a special appearance to Thomas to dispel the doubts of Thomas and the disciples. So what does that tell about you and me? Jesus will make every effort needed to address your doubts about him. Jesus is big enough for your doubts. Jesus is big enough for your anger. Jesus is big enough for your big question, why? You may not get the answer to that, but Jesus is big enough for that. And Jesus, not only is he big enough for that, what did he do with Thomas? He offered his scars. He said, if you need proof, just look. My friend, if you need to be, you need to have proof of your doubts. All you've got to do is look at the cross, look at the resurrection, look at the tomb. He is not there. He is who he said he was. He did what he said he would do. And he is coming back to bring his church unto himself again. He is Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Now, also we see that Jesus comes to you 
in the midst of your doubts. Do not doubt Jesus or God's word. Because a lot of times when you when you hear people that are having doubts about Jesus or some of them will even say, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there is a God. Do you realize how much uh, foolishness it takes to say that there is no God? There, there's a long, uh, big, long word that, that signifies what this means. But basically what it means is, is for you to say there is no God means that you need to have the power of a God to make that decision. In other words, you can't tell people what you don't know. I can't tell any one of you out here. I, Blake plays golf. He's a great golfer. I can't tell Blake how to improve his golf game because I don't play golf. I have no business giving information of help on that because I don't know what it means. So for someone to say that there is no God and that Jesus is not real, they would have to be God or God-like to be able to make that distinction. To doubt God's word just because you have sin in your life is much like a little child when you're trying to correct them and they're going, I, la, 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 I do not want to hear, I, la, 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 I can't hear you, I, la, 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 and they just don't want to hear. My friends, there are so many people that stay away from God's word. They stay away from preaching. They stay away from prayer. They stay away from the Holy Spirit because they are doing things they know that are wrong, but they don't want to be told that they are wrong. There was once a man having a biblical debate with a preacher one time. He told the preacher that he had his doubts about the Old Testament being legitimate. And it was later revealed that that man was cheating on his wife, so he didn't want to admit that the Bible said you must not commit adultery. You know, I can doubt all day long that the coronavirus is real. I can doubt that it's a threat. I can disobey every social distancing requirement there is. And I can even doubt the health officials in the government even know what's going on. But the truth is, if I disregard their directions, it's highly likely that I will contract the virus and then even spread it. There is truth out there, folks. Truth is found in Jesus. Truth is found in his word. And we see in verse 28, notice Thomas's doubts strengthened his face faith, where he said, my Lord, my God. For a Jewish man to say this, especially being a doubter, it's one of the greatest confessions of the Bible. What was he saying by that? He was saying, I believe even when so many people do not. You see, Jesus met Thomas head on, resulting in Thomas's faith being strengthened. And Jesus adds, though, that we would be better off to believe without seeing. Folks, that is the very definition of faith. Believing in something, even when you don't see how it works. So we see that doubt. How did Jesus handle Thomas's doubt? He went to him. He restored him. And then the second one we see is that Jesus loves you enough to forgive your denial of him. Jesus loves you enough to give, forgive your denial to him. Now, I know we got a lot of good Bible-believing, good Holman Park Baptist Church Christians watching today uh, from the parking lot. And we might have some people online that say, well, I, I don't deny Jesus. You don't? We all deny Jesus at some point. There's all, all of us have opportunities to share our faith where we don't do it. We all have opportunities to be vocal about what Jesus has done in our life. And we don't do it. 
Many of us at some point have been somewhere where God has asked us. We know God is leading us to do something and we don't do it. That is denial, folks. You can't wrap it up in a nice paper and call it something else. Put a bow on it. We all have denied Jesus at some point. And we see here, and before we jump into John 21, verses 15 through 17, we need to give a little bit of background. You see, Jesus' last act, his very last act before leaving this world was to prepare his disciples for their ministry as they began his church. We saw that with Thomas, and now we saw see this with Peter. And we pick up the story, it happens after the crucifixion, the men had already gone back to their day job of fishing. They were on a fishing trip, they had fished all day. And several of the disciples, including Thomas, were trying to figure out their faith, even though they had doubts. They had gone fishing all night and caught nothing, which I'm going to tell you, to be a professional fisherman, but to be a, a professional fisherman and to not catch anything, that's frustrating. Sometimes when we go to the beach, I like to walk out on the pier and, and look in the buckets of all the people that are fishing. And boy, if you ask somebody what they've caught, they don't have anything in the bucket, they're not smiling. And you just keep walking. So these guys were upset. And then as the morning sun rose, they saw a man on the beach who wanted to know what are they caught. When Jesus tells the disciples to cast their net on the other side, and they catch so many fish that they cannot bring it in. And in verse 6, Peter remembers who this man is. This man was supposed to be dead. But here, Jesus stood on the shore. And I'm sure he had a flashback reminiscent of the time where Jesus walked out to him on the water while the boat was in the storm. So Peter just, he, he rips off his, his work clothes and he jumps in the water and he, he swims straight for Jesus on the shore. And as they were sitting on the shore, eating some fish they caught for breakfast, we pick up our story in the scripture. It says in verse, starting with verse 15, again, I'm in John 21, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Think about what he asked. We, we heard this so many times. In other words, I don't know if it's, if it's a big thing for you, but some of us have a fear of people. We have a fear of what other people think about us. That's why we deny Jesus. That's why Peter denied Jesus the night before he was crucified. And people said, hey, Peter, aren't you with that Jesus? He said, no, it's not me. He denied him three times. And so here we see the first time Jesus is asking him, do you love me? He says, yes. What was Jesus' answer? He said, okay, then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. And in verse 16, Jesus repeated the question for a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. What does he say? Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time and asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was hurt. His feelings were hurt that Jesus would ask the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three times he asked him, do you love me? Three times he told him to feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. How does Jesus handle us when we doubt or deny him? We see in this passage, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. 
three times if he loved him to restore Peter for each of the three times that he denied Jesus. For every time that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus restored him. And for every time that you have let down Jesus, every time you have fallen short of His glorious standard, every time you have messed your life up, Jesus doesn't hold it against you. He wants to restore you from it. Amen? We still have that blessing. We still, are, as a believer today, I don't always have a sinless day. I'm human. I, I fall just like everybody else does. I need restoration. You need restoration. And we are surrounded by a community and a world that is lost. And they, they desperately need restoration and they don't even know it. So who's going to tell them? Well, we are. Just as Jesus says, feed my sheep. You see, feeding sheep means to spread the gospel story that others may believe. It means spreading the story that Jesus died or was born of a virgin. He left his throne. He left his glory. He came to this earth, lived a human life, yet being fully divine. He was tried and tempted in every way. And he was killed as a sacrifice for your sin and mine to pay the debt of our sin. And he rose on the third day. And he is in heaven and he is coming back again to bring his church unto himself and judge those that have rejected him. Three times Jesus responds to Peter with the command, feed his sheep. A believer that has been restored by Jesus will serve Jesus. Let me say that one more time. A believer that has been restored by Jesus will serve Jesus. So if all we're doing is get restored for our peace of mind so we can sleep at night and we're not serving Jesus, we are grieving the Holy Spirit and we are disobeying and we go back to what we said a moment ago. We are denying His work in our lives. Because if we are restored, we will serve Jesus. And Peter, like Thomas, would go on to do mighty acts for Jesus. And ultimately, did you know both of those men, both of those men gave their lives to serving Jesus. They literally died as persecution for serving Jesus. So, folks, don't let your doubt and denial get the best of you today. Doubting and denying Jesus is healthy when it leads you to the Scriptures and when it strengthens your faith. However, there will be no excuse for not accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord when we all come to the end of our lives. Jesus makes it clear that for you to say no to His invitation, for Him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, it's what we call and what the Bible calls the unpardonable sin. It says in Matthew 12, 32, that anyone who speaks against the Son of Man. In other words, they say we, we reject Jesus. We reject His offer of salvation. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks, the Holy, speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. So when that Holy Spirit starts tugging on your heart, we see it every Sunday. And it might be happening in your cars. It might be happening on Facebook Live or on a rebroadcast. Or there may be somebody in your house right now hearing this. When the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart and says, I want you to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And I want you to... Become a follower of mine. I want to restore you. I want to redeem you. I want you to serve me. And when you feel that pulling of the Holy Spirit and you reject it, that is 
the unpardonable sin. And that is a sin that will send you straight to hell. That is worse than telling a little white lie. That's worse than killing somebody. Because it is unpardonable. Everything else can be forgiven but that. And there are many people in our world today that have questions and doubts about Jesus. And unfortunately, some will even deny Him. But God wants to restore you today from your doubts and denials. He is asking you, do you love me? And if you love me, then feed my sheep. Tell my gospel story. But if you are lost, there is nothing Jesus cannot restore in your life. There is nothing that He cannot cover. His blood covers it all. So accept your decision to follow Him. Listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Or if you refuse His offer of salvation, you will spend eternity separated from Him in hell. My friend, if you take your doubts and denial to the grave, they will betray you. Reach out in faith today, folks. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to have the will to trust Him. Let's pray. God, I thank You so much for Your message today. And If there is somebody here struggling with doubt or denial, Lord, I pray that they look to You. They look to You the way You treated Thomas, the way You treated Peter. Is the way that you treat us. You want to restore us. You will give us the proof where we need it. You will give us enough faith to go and move on. And you will, you've actually asked us to believe in what we can't understand or see. But if there is one person today here, either by way of in the parking lot or in this community or the Facebook Live or even by a rebroadcast, if the Holy Spirit is asking them to come into your life, that you may come into their life and forgive them of their sin. Make them a follower of you and restore them. It takes a simple prayer. All you have to do is pray, Dear Jesus, forgive me for I am a sinner. I confess my sins before you and I will turn away from them. I will repent from them. I want you to come into my life. I want to be a new person and I want to follow you with the rest of my new life. If you pray that prayer, my friend, you will be saved. And if you pray that prayer, let me know. Let your pastor at your church know. Let somebody know so they can follow up on that. Because do not take your doubts and denial to the grave because they will betray you. Father God, if there's one person here today or whenever they hear this message that needs to know you, may they reach out in faith either by coming to see me afterwards or reaching out through our Facebook and social media and website or phone. Or you put a burden in their heart to figure out what that decision is. We thank you for this time together. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.